Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Thank you, Mr. Coman. <laughs> and I say that with all due respect. I like that. I like that yeah, sound of respect you know, in your voice. It's, it's great to be back. It's newfound. Sitting here in the ring room. It's great to be here sitting in the ring room when, in fact, it's just great to be sitting somewhere. <laughs> I've got a lot of problems this past week. Really? I, I can't even remember. I, I had them written down. I don't know what happened. Let's, let's, but anyway, listen. Let's, let's get remember, into I don't know if we talked about this, but remember, I, we talked about uh, the human waste on, that hikers do on, on big mountain hikes. Uh, and, Mount McKinley, and yeah. Mount we were McKin- talking about, uh, and we're talking uh, about that. Like Denali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mount Denali. Denali. Yeah, yeah a, Denali. The new name of it. Yeah, the one in Alaska where, yeah, where they're now making people bring their human waste back down the mountain. Okay, starting off right up top yeah. with that. Okay. Right. Well, I realize <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> Get right to it. Uh, yeah. Huh? Right to the message. Yeah. Bring your waste home, people. Okay, well. You know. um, but I, I was in Florida, remember? I was yes. in Florida yes. under investigation. Right. You, you yeah. woke up with the teeth in your hand. Yes. Uh-huh. The, uh, well, how is that progressing? Well, that, um, that is okay. It's all been, I've been cleared of everything because really? those teeth were actually a doll's teeth. <laughs> Some doll. <laughs> So I got cleared of everything. Well, well, but well, that begs the question, how did you wind up with those dolls? Whose doll was it? How did you wind I, you up with know, the teeth in your hand? I, you know, I... I, I you don't no, have no, any recollection. I, it's missing I, I like to, you. you know, I used to have play with G.I. Joes when right. I was a kid, but never any dolls. Uh, I don't remember it's there being... a type of doll, but yeah, it, it doesn't have mo- removable teeth. It's just mostly painted on, right? Yeah, but it's got real hair. Remember the G.I. Joe doll with real hair? You know, G.I., that's actually a trigger point for me because... That's the kind of thing that I wanted as a kid. You know, I'd want a G.I. Joe. Oh, man. But then when Christmas would come around, I wouldn't get a G.I. Joe. You got a G.I. Jane? G.I. Jim or, you know, like a, or, you know, a lieutenant something, you know, like some, some off-brand, you know, like yeah, the, that was what, made of wood or something like that. That was like, you know, just warp in the water and stuff, and it was right, Chinese right. lead and stuff right, like that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your parents are cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, but anyways, I've been cleared of this. I don't know where the doll's teeth came from. Okay. And that was Florida. You know, things happen in Florida. They We've do. talked about this yeah, yeah, a million yeah. times. Yes, yes. That Florida is the most insane place on the east, and Arizona yes. is the other place it's on the, the west. Yeah, the corollary. Uh, but going to Denali Mountain, Okay. I re- so what happened was I got home, and I finally unpacked some of the luggage from the trip, from the trip to the Keys. Mm-hmm. And there was a wrapper, an ice cream wrapper, in my luggage, and this is what makes Florida even more weirder, is that there's a brand name of ice cream called Denali. Okay. <laughs> that, that is sold in local supermarkets there. Huh. So I'm thinking to myself, did I just eat stuff from Del- Denali Mountain? <laughs> you know, just, you know, I just tried, you know, the way I, I think, it's right, like, okay, right, right. Denali that Mountain. Association, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that kind of freaked me out for a very long time. Okay. You know, you know, I'm still getting over it. Th- there's also a, uh, a, a one of these SUVs that's called a Denali. I'm not sure what what company makes it, but I you know, know one of these one of these big cars, okay. yeah, big big way too big truck cars yeah. that, that the moms that, drive. Yeah, the know? moms drive, and they should have no business driving these huge cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. and they're going to complain about uh, global warming and uh, well, climate yeah. change while we're driving our 
gigantic and human waste. Denali's. Yeah, but those I think those Denali cars have toilets in them. Oh, okay. Well, that <laughs> could come in handy. But, you know, I did meet one of our fans, a, a frequent listener mm-hmm. um, at the supermarket, and she's a big fan of the show. Okay. And uh, we were talking in the produce section near the kumquats okay. and the kiwis. And she brought up the episode with... Um, it's, it's one of her favorite episodes, she says... With uh, Juan Carlos, what was his name? The food truck guy? Uh, Jose Torres yeah. Tama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she said the same thing that we talked. Like, what an asshole, man. Oh, no, we didn't say <laughs> yeah, that. Well, I did. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, I like, I guy, like Jose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't really, you know, but he didn't yeah, you get know. it. She understood, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. she was so frustrated listening to that show that he's not getting what we're, what I was trying to say. Right, right. Well, yeah. he was not familiar with the format of the show. And yeah. he was expecting, he came in well, with Well, he was expecting us to fawn all over him. Well, we and, give everyone you know, a, a give chance him the red to speak, carpet you know. Treatment. Oh, we, we do that. But, you, you know, know, at some point, you know, there, we, we may, there may be some joshing going on, you know, and maybe some levity. What's his name again? Jose Torres Tama. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Jose. We love yeah. you, Jose. I told you, you know, as uh, I was, I was concerned that uh, you know maybe that 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 episode had soured our our relationship. But then, come to find out, they're a French Quarter Fest. He's right up front and center with his maracas, smiling at me, shaking the maracas. And I'm like, okay, well, Jose's fine. He's he's yeah. He's, uh, that's great for yeah. you. Yeah, that's really good for you. <laughs> yeah. Ah. So, so, what else has been going on in your life? Well, um. Uh, you know, I was, I was telling you about the, uh, the that we made Ron Roses's uh, year by uh, calling him out, uh, shouting oh, out to him, the, 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 uh, the nine ball the plumber champion, no. <laughs> the the uh, the California nine ball champion. Right. So, so yeah, that's I was a California eight ball champion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> back in the eighties, <laughs> but, but didn't have anything to do with <laughs> yeah, pool. Yeah, no, it didn't do with any green velvet or anything. Yeah, 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 it yeah, was yeah, basically yeah. a mirror. Right. And uh, McDonald's half straw desperation, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and a happy meal. Yes, yeah. a lot of yeah. a lot of, uh, yeah. of lip smacking, yeah. right? You know, um, and uh, and it wasn't even your thing, but you know, no, it wasn't uh, my but, you thing. Know, it was you, a good time. So, you, yeah, know, you do what you, you know. Can. For our listeners out there, for the people who listen to this show, all seven of them, um, the eighties are come and gone. So get over it. Anyway, so what was your point? Oh, um, oh yeah, Ron Roses. Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm moving on from that. But, but, you know, someone that you gave a shout-out to uh, a few weeks ago, the, the girl who's a chef in Austin. Yeah. So our, our other, one of our other super fans, Mike Murphy, knows her from California. Oh, the California really? days. And he heard that, and he's like, oh, no, she was a good friend of mine. Really? So funny how small these circles are, you know. That, who's that, that? Mike Murphy. No, but who's my friend? Is she, uh, the, that he the, knows? She, she, I can't remember her name, but but uh, she's a chef in Austin. Oh, he right. Mentioned her name yes. on the podcast, yes. and uh, then she she Susie. Heard it. Susie, okay. Susie, yeah. Susie's a good girl. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what that's what Mike was saying. Yeah, was saying, yeah, um, yeah. She's a friend of mine. So it's it's very interesting how yeah, how these these it scares the hell out of me. It really yeah, does. It really scares <laughs> how everybody knows each other. Yeah, it really does scare the hell. Yeah, you, you can't disappear anymore, man. I mean, I guess you can. You can go to Well, if Venezuela I keep doing this, I'll never be able to disappear. No, no, no. Exactly. Well, you know, you're a public figure, man. It's way yeah. too late for that. Um, well, 
I, I have more things I could talk about, but let's bring our guest in because he, he, he can talk about these things too. So, uh, you know, our guest is a, a great writer, has written for uh, many local and national publications, you know, Rolling Stone. He wrote for, uh, for Offbeat for many years here in New Orleans. He uh, is one of his most recent things is he, he has a, uh, a news media organization company uh, and a blog, uh, My Spilt Milk. He also has a Christmas music podcast, which I'm afraid I don't know the... We'll find out the name of this. Without further ado, Mr. Alex Rawls. Welcome, Alex. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Renee, yeah. Manny. Yeah. And it's 12 Songs of Christmas. 12 Songs of Christmas. Okay. 12 Songs of Christmas. Now, my first question to you was, was uh, concerning this was, was, so you just do this during Christmas? And you said, no, I do it all year long. <laughs> nope. I just... just uh, yesterday, I interviewed Tav Falco, okay. the, Panth- the famous Panther Burns. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Talking to him about his 2018 Christmas album. Okay. And, and, I, and I'm sure you've met Tav many times. Well, I played with Tav for yes. many years. So th- <laughs> then you would have met him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yes. slept on the floor. So, <laughs> but he yeah, never yeah. played any Christmas music with him. No, no, it was yeah. way before. But, you know, you never know what, what's up Tav Falco's sleeve, what the Panther Burns are going to do next. You know, it's always going to be something, something shocking and surprising. You know, and, and, in fact, we did actually talk about that. The idea that, you know, that there was a time... When he could never have imagined having done a, doing a Christmas song, although he said he, he said he occasionally would perform Blue Christmas. Sure, that sounds yes. That that, that would be right in the uh, right yeah. up the alley of the Panther Burns. But uh, but that otherwise it would never have occurred to him to record it. And he also said that it really wasn't until the last two or three years where he felt like he was enough of a singer to sing those songs. Yeah, Tav, you know, so. Tav's been working at it for so long and actually has, has, has uh, you know, he's, he's progressed and uh, he's, he's evolved as a, as a performer and, and matured. And yeah, he, he does have a, 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 a lot of uh, command that he might not used to have, have had. So I do have to ask from your experience. I've interviewed Tav probably four or five times now. And Tav interviews in full monologues. Oh, yeah. And, and I wonder, when you're dealing with them, when you're saying, like, okay, we got to go, does the answer come in full paragraphs? Um, well, no, there, there may not be a direct answer at all if, it, if it's the question is we got to go or the, or the idea is we got to go because Tav may have a lot of uh, um, distraction, uh, you know, other things he has to take care of. You've is it Tad or what do you say? Tav. So his full name was Gustavo. Oh, Gustavo. So it's Tav. Tav. T-A-V okay. is his, okay. you know. His, and he's in New Orleans. He will be on June 6th yes. at DBA. Oh, okay. Panther Burns are making their, their they were here uh, about last Jazz Fest, and so they're, they're on the 40th anniversary tour of the Panther Burns. They, you know, he's based out of Vienna now, and uh, he has an all-Roman band, a band from Rome, and uh, they're Cracker Jackets, the same band he's been playing with for a few years now. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they've been canvassing the nation. New Orleans will be their final tour stop. And I'm, I'm guessing the band is going to be either totally ragged out or totally razor sharp or maybe a little bit of both. All right. Um, you know, after because, uh, man, you look at the, the Panther Burns tour schedule and it's a killer. Yeah. It's, it's like one nighters with 10 days in a row with no days off and a lot of fly days in those in, involved in those. So. You know, that's, that's what drugs are for. Well, yeah. 
I mean, but then if you got to fly every day, you know, what you got to score every day, you know, it's it's it presents another problem. Well, know? that's his problem. Not well, that's mine. what I'm saying. It's it's not it's, it's easier said than done to, to you know to uh, use that as a crutch. It's a life that requires commitment. Yes. Oh man, and Tav certainly has that. I mean, yes. it, Tav, Tav, it's a cottage industry. The Panther Burns uh, that Tav has developed the Panther Burns into, uh, but long-standing one. And have, have you ever read Tav's book? It's dizzying. It's, yes. It, I think he's a great writer, man. I, I, when, whenever I have to write something, I often try to, to channel that, that voice that he has because it's very mythic. It's, it's very um, grand. And, uh, you know, it, it really does, um, uh, you know, gets to your imagination. You know, it, it's very Tav. It is, <laughs> it's, it's both at one level it's mundane but like the very next sentence, it just sort of blows up into mythology. The next sentence is just some sort of weird, obscure fact from, uh, right. you know, from like this, this, the town he grew up in. And it all just bangs, next, bangs against each other, which is the Panther Burns aesthetic. Yes. And uh, so it was amazing. I mean, I, I have not made it to the end. I would be, I'd be lying. But I, I went about 75 pages in and said, I, I feel like I have just read, a, uh, read an encyclopedia. Oh, it's, and, it's it's a great read, man. Uh, all you folks out there, what's it called? Uh, it's got a, a oh, really long title. Anyway, Tav Falco's uh, 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 semi autobiographical uh, memoir. Um, so so uh, so you're doing that all the time. Well, there, a lot of people have Christmas records out, so I guess that you know you can you can. Yeah, you have enough material to, to do one. Well, yeah, over the long. years, I'm sure since the 40s and 50s, you've got Bing and Frank and Sammy and all these artists from way back doing their own Christmas. Because everyone did it. William Shatner's Christmas album, you know. Well, uh, m- many of those know. people are dead, Manny, which makes the interview tougher. Not well, impossible, but tougher. Well, you could still but talk about it, right? I can talk about them, yes. And yeah, I've done a few where I've... Yeah. I try where I Listen, can it's to it's really interview. cool to speak Ill, Ill, Ill of the dead. I, I find <laughs> that really yeah. a good thing to do, you know. You know, because if yeah. Frank was alive today, I, you know... He'd talk I, ill of me. You know, you know, I would be walking around in the wheelchair, you know, going, <laughs> walk on! Walk on, you know, like Jerry Lewis telethon kind of thing. But he's dead, so I can yeah. talk as much shit as I want about yeah. him, you know. So yes, and, and I and we, I have done some episodes that were talking about songs. But when I can, I'd like to talk to people who've made them. Right. And um, so and it's been is, cool so far. I mean, I I just recently did one with Chuck Mead, who used to be in BR five forty nine. Okay, sure. And I'm actually putting that one together tomorrow. When Tell the audience who BR four BR five forty nine was yeah. a uh, band that was kind of in one of the kind of an early nineties sort of country rockabilly revival, mm-hmm. and they were you know a thing that happens periodically where people once again discover nudie suits and right, discover right. sort of like up. you know discover like <laughs> early, like you know Nashville up. Flash yeah, yeah. and uh, discover the upright bass. And uh, the joy of like singing harmony, and uh, and so they and there's a brief period where major labels thought that's what they wanted, and then they had Garth Brooks and realized that's not what they wanted. They wanted Garth Brooks, right. and so anyway, so but he's had a really good career, sort of at a you know at a mid level, and he's been doing you know. And he's a real, and the nice thing is he's a Nashville kind of traditionalist, and so, like a lot, of, he's on the same label. It's a label that's owned by Eddie Arnold's son, I think. Okay. And From so Green he, Acres, Eddie Arnold? No, uh, country singer. That's, um, oh. 
Eddie Albert. Eddie, Eddie Albert was Eddie Albert that was Green Acres. That was Green Acres. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to think of Eddie of Eddie Arnold's biggest hit. Yeah. No, you don't have it for me. Okay, no, leave me hanging. Sorry. Okay, we're good. Sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> and and, and I know the name, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest and not look on my phone. I'm yeah, going to yeah. I'm going to let don't the fact that I don't know something. Out. Don't no, bring no, it out. no. I, I that but is I'm, I, if it were you, I'd help you. I'd check online and help you out. Yeah, we don't have. But, a but I'm not show. going to yeah, yeah, protect, save myself, show. and pretend I know something I don't All know. All right. So where are you from? I. Uh, Born? Who, what's your name again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Arnold. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Mr. Haney. Um, no, I was a uh, short version, born in Minnesota, grew up as a kid, went through kid years in Houston, went through teenage and early 20s. Kid years, what years in Houston? The 70s or 60s? The 60s. Okay, what's Houston like in the 60s for a kid? I mean, to me, it just seems dismal. Uh, we, I lived, I lived in Sharpstown, which at the time was a suburb, uh-huh. and and as a kid it was great. Oh, it was okay. totally fun. I mean, we had that. Uh, we had you know, it was, it, was, it was like literally like what you know what people talk about sort of uh, the good side of what people talk about mm-hmm. suburbs being like. We had yeah. like, you know there were like five or six houses nearby that all had kids that were roughly our age, and yeah. so. You know, there wasn't a lot of traffic in the street, and so, like in summers, we could play, we could you know play uh, play Dick chase yeah. over like over like a you know an eight or ten house radius, and so you had a you know sure. you could have some pretty what seemed at the time like epic games of tag right, and shit, yeah, um, stickball and stuff, and, like that. Uh, and so, so now you're a teenager. Where do you go as a teenager? Teenager still- moved to. Uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Oh, wow, that's a difference. My my father was in uh, cancer research, okay. and a uh, university in Hamilton started wanted to start a cancer research unit and brought him up to help run it. And so that that moved us from Houston and moved from the Gulf Coast up to Canada. Wow, so, so that's a shock as a teenager. So, but I mean, it's pretty cool, I guess. You know, being in Canada as a teenager. It was a it was a great time to be in Southern Ontario. The cool thing was that where I was, Hamilton, very close to Toronto, is some of the most British parts of Canada. Okay, and because of that, that was my next question: was it well, British or French? Yeah. Okay. So well, and because of that, a lot of the uh, punk singles yeah. from England okay, would there. come to Toronto, would come to Hamilton. And I've you know, and records that were released there were also released in Canada, and I've discovered since weren't released in the states. And so, mm-hmm. when I moved down here, I was talking to friends and discovering that, you know, records that you know that I was you know was finding just in any record store either weren't here or were like yeah. you know twenty thirty dollar Japanese imports or something. Right. And so, it was a great time to be in a, and also being there is a time where the bands all came there. Bands would come from England. They'd play New right, York, the Boston. Um, well, there were a lot of my. I was a little young to see. Unfortunately, I didn't like. I didn't get a chance to see. Uh, didn't. Um, do, 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 who's I thinking? Didn't get a chance to see a Generation X, which I really wish I would have seen. Okay, cool. Um, I really love the first. Really love the first album. Actually, I like a lot of the second album too. But used to get like things like when Bow Wow Wow first came to the states, sure, they yeah. played in Toronto, uh-huh, which was yeah. great. Um, actually, it was a really great show. No, I saw Bow Wow Wow in eighty one, 
at the Roxy in LA and it was the most fantastic show I, I, I was like this, I'm, this is like fucking great this really is, yeah this was great I mean yeah. they were such good musicians okay and she was like 14 year old uh-huh. and she just had this voice and we you know every guy in the audience was just like memorized by Annabella yeah. you know yeah. it was just like <laughs> Man, who is this chicken? I'm like 17, 18 oh, right, years right, right, old. Right. She's 14 years old, you know. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So anyway, but uh, but a lot of them came. And that at that time, we were pretty regular. Like New York bands would come that way. And yeah. so, so I think one of, the, one of, my, one of, the, one of those life-changing shows was seeing the Ramones uh-huh. at a roller rink oh, in, cool. in, uh, in Burlington, Ontario. Yeah. Nice. And they literally, they put, they, you know, put down folding chairs. Uh-huh. And... Pretty quickly, everybody just started getting on their chair and started jumping and realizing, okay, you'd bounce more if you were on your chair. <laughs> and so that was more interesting. And then once chairs started breaking, then you realized, oh, if I do this more, I can break shit. Yeah. And so people then started like deliberately breaking as many chairs as they could. Oh, and as people bounced, the chairs all slowly moved forward and moved together to form sort of this just platform okay. with backs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so you could like walk over the chair in front of you to the chair. And so if your chair collapses, you just climbed on the chair next to you oh, and started destroying it. Didn't oh, the Ramones man. do a Christmas album? I think they did. I think they did. I don't know do about a Christmas whole album. album. They do have yeah. definitely have a, definitely have at least one or two Christmas songs. All right. So you're in Canada. How old you are? You're a teenager. I started, but I not moved, old enough to really get out there. I, I moved there when I was uh, moved there in uh, grade eight. And stayed there through finishing university. All right, so, so what are the drugs like in Canada? Was it easier to get drugs there or in America? Since I wasn't here at the time, I can't tell you how. Okay. I can't compare it out. Um, I did that. Uh, it was high school, university. Yeah. It was no particular challenge, but I also I I have no belief that I was had anything that was particularly good. Yeah. Um, well, it's probably traveling with the traveling with you know there. usually you know, getting the swag shit uh, that. All right, so let's fast forward. Right. How do you end up here in um, in uh, the spare tire capital of the world, which is New Orleans? <laughs> the uh, <laughs> finished university and decided I was going to go to grad school, and I was only applied to places that were warm. Uh, I'd, Smart. I, I had. I'm glad I've done winter, but I yeah. don't need to well, do winter anymore. Well, my dad, who was from Western Pennsylvania, moved out to L.A. in the early '50s after the war, and he's like, "I'm never going back there." It was like, "Can we go back to visit your where you grew up and the snow and all that?" No, no. fuck no. that, fuck that. Nope. Yeah. No, I'm. I like I like about two weeks of real really cold. Mm-hmm. Each winter, yeah. so that it feels cold, and so you can actually yeah. put on like put on your best coat. Yeah, but I, you know, snow is only cool while it's still in the air. Once it hits the ground, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> right, 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 right. And all uh, right. So, what year did you come down here to the warm 88. weather? Eighty-eight. Oh, eighty-eight. So 88. Okay. Yep. So I moved down here. Oh, all I right. moved down here summer of eighty-eight, and and I knew a little bit of New Orleans music because I used to do campus radio in Canada. Okay. And so. I came down and I knew I, I had a friend had brought back a Bruce Dagrapont album after visiting New Orleans one time. Uh-huh. Uh, his first album, Stir Up the Rue. And um, I think this is his first album, but the first album I knew of. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked it. And so I came down here and I saw he was playing at Tips and didn't know at that point he played every Sunday night right, at Tips. Right, so I'm right. like, hey, he's at Tips. I'm going. And, and it was also, it was right during, it was during the, um, 
I moved down here during the Republican National Convention when it was in New Orleans. Okay. That was and 88, so that was, 88. was uh, Bush, the first yep. Bush, and right? Quayle, yeah. yep. Yeah, Bush-Quayle. Yep, this is where uh, Quayle was nominated. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go to Tipitina's and, uh, for Bruce Degrapont, and a guy, in, guy much older than me in jean shorts that had been sort of saw, chewed off at, the, at mid, mid-thigh comes over to me and says, Are you alone? <laughs> Which is really first day, I mean, like that first week in a new city, not the question you were looking okay. for. Yeah, that's kind of scary like, to me. You're a friendly guy. Yes. Yeah. Good. There's a couple of women over here who don't know how to dance. And there were a couple of women who had come for the come for the uh, for the con- for the and they co- were in convention. wheelchairs. No, they <laughs> were, they were, believe it or no, they really is like why were they talking to Gummy Joe? I don't know, but um, <laughs> they were. But nonetheless, they were they were there and. They were like ready to dance with us, and I'm and we had to start. And I said, "I have no idea what I'm doing. I've just got here. I have never done this thing before, and right. never Cajun danced." And so she and I like sort of, you know, mauled around for a few minutes Figured and realized this happen. isn't happening. Oh, okay. And right. just retreated to the bar for a drink, All and right. then well, you made a new she, friend. And then yeah. no, and then she found someone else who actually could do it. Oh, okay. And then like okay, gone. All and right. So. So now, were, were you a, a musician at some point, or you were a music fan that, and, and a writer? Always more of a writer. Okay. I, have, I, I, I can play guitar, okay. I can, but I don't play it really well. You didn't come there, at, at the whole thing f- no. from that point. You came no. at it as a No, writer. I came at it as, as a fan and as a writer. Right. And started in high school writing. Um, and, uh, Porn. No, no, oh, okay. uh, uh, Sorry. no. Of course, I would. That would. <laughs> I wish I were that it's creative really at that age. Right, man. <laughs> Renee, <laughs> porn is really hard well, to they write. They have those, those erotic novels, you yeah. know. That's so, yeah, okay. That was, you you watch too much cinema, so, I guess. So, so over <laughs> yeah. my head at that point. <laughs> All right, well, wait. But, before you move here, so did you go to college in Canada, or did you yes. go to? Okay, I, both. I, I went uh, undergrad at McMaster University in Hamilton. Uh, okay. And I did campus radio at their radio station, okay. CFMU. Okay. And, uh, so you come down here and no one wants to dance with you. No. <laughs> one person wanted to dance with me. And then, and then she had the good sense to know he has no idea, idea what he's doing. Right. And so she moved on, which, yeah, well, which was a very reasonable response. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, who did you first write for uh, in New Orleans? What kind of first music writing did you do here? First, first writing was actually doing uh, reviews, uh, doing book reviews okay. uh, for Times-Picayune. Oh, um, right. Susan Larson was great for giving people yeah. uh, chances to write. Didn't and, she uh, die? No, no. Thank uh. well, boy, I sure hope not. Susan's great. Uh, that uh, She was a book editor at, at, no, no, at okay. Times-Picayune for a long else. time. Yeah, I'm thinking of somebody yeah. else. And I mean, she thinks she still does her radio show on, uh, on WWNO. Okay. And... Uh, there's one point, actually, was great. Probably the first music-related thing I did here in town was she'd asked me to review something. There was a book that by a local writer that nobody really wanted to review. Mm-hmm. And I said I'd take it. But, also, but hey, this book just came out by Greil Marcus, this you know, review, book of uh, essays by his music, music uh, critic. And I think he's, mm-hmm. pretty, you know, he's pretty significant. I think I got a good thing to do with this, and so she, so she said yes to that. Oh, okay. And you know, I think it was partly because I was doing her a solid by picking up this piece that nobody else wanted, right? But she took it, and that counts. And nice. uh, so anyway, and uh, so did that, and then 
in, I want to say around 97, started at Offbeat, started contributing there, started as their as So for our writer. audience, Offbeat Magazine is what? Offbeat Magazine is the locals or music monthly. Right, focus okay. on Focused primarily on New Orleans music. Right. Although certainly Louisiana music. And so did that, and there I was mainly book guy. Okay. Uh, which actually was kind of cool because I, it gave me an excuse to sort of teach myself jazz uh-huh. because for the most part, I came out of, out of rock and particularly out of punk, mm-hmm. and what jazz I knew was avant-garde because the avant-garde was the closest sonically to punk. Right, right. And so, so I then had to, so I kind of had to like, Backfilled. Uh, backfilled, yeah. So I started, so, you know, I'm reviewing the books that make the most, that was crossing my desk that made the most sense to review an offbeat were jazz books. But they gave me a chance to go and do the history okay. and then go back and start filling in, filling in a lot of blanks. Right. Filling in about 100 years of blanks. Nice. Um, and, nice. I, and, you know, I, I got, you know, there's, there's sections I can't do anything with. Yeah, um, well. But there's also sections where I've got more, you know, I've got a lot more angle on than I used to. Sure. And so, but that was a great, but that was actually a really good thing I hadn't planned on. Okay. And, um, and then just, you know, I stayed at Offbeat until I, until I slowly sort of did more and did more and did more. When the rock writer left, then that, that fell to me too, which okay. also was cool. And uh, gave me, an ex- you know, ex- you know, chance to talk to a lot more people. Right. And, um, then, then in '04, I moved over to Gambit. Okay, and was became music critic there, and I had that job through Katrina. Oh, all right. And Katrina washed that gig away. Yeah, well, washed a lot of things away. Yeah, Katrina, yeah. I, I, I like. It's I, all right. Yeah, my gig was part that stuck yeah. with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you had, you, you were able to take all of your skills with you. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so those weren't washed. <laughs> those away. weren't washed. Exactly. Away. <laughs> oh, I mean, and actually, it's funny. I already at that point, you know, already, you know, lived already lived on a laptop, and so you know, it was like already had like wherever my laptop is is my office. Right. Right. So well, you know the, you know, uh, and all this is happening as as the whole trend of creative destruction of the print. Uh, media is, is going on that we're all living. You know, Rick Olivier, the great photographer, sure. tells a story about being at a, uh, a dinner party and it's a bunch of writers and photographers and 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 uh, typesetter. There's a guy's a typesetter and we're they're all uh, feeling so sorry for him that you know computer typesetting was replacing his job and you know he was he was technology was was making him obsolete and he's and then he says. What we didn't realize is every single person at that table was a typesetter in one way or another. <laughs> you know, we, were, we were all typesetters, and because you know you went from from having a you know editorial assignment for a photographer that may pay I don't know thousand couple thousand dollars to sure. to do, and then now they the same publication wants to pay twenty five dollars to uh, to buy that. Okay. There are no typesetters anymore. <laughs> well, no, not typesetters. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. like a oh, photographer or sure, you know, sure. just yeah, whatever yeah. intellectual yeah. property, whatever kind of you know, that's that all has become. It's been commoditized. Well, you know who I blame? Craigslist. Okay, go on. Because Craigslist uh, wiped out uh, the, the classifieds, and classifieds were a giant source of income. Revenue, yeah. Sure, that was yeah. that was yeah. a whole lot. That was a whole lot of money that came in without spending a lot of manpower and a lot of a lot of wages well, to, I, to I, I, And so, like I was at Gambit, and this started happening. It was really fast. You could start to see the it cutting into page counts, and uh, 
that that changed the economics really quickly. Well, you know, I had a paper yeah. route in the seventies for uh, like a few months, and I remember the classifieds. You know, you could you know just skimming through the classifieds. It's like someone selling this, someone selling a bike, someone selling a car. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the classifieds were the shit. Were you stopping while you were delivering papers to read, to check read. out the classifieds? Like, no, is no, it, what, no, no, what no, somebody no. I dumping? Was, no, you had to fold them. I was, I was folding the papers. Ah, I got it, got it, got it. Okay. Pages yeah. of classifieds. But I used to stop. Right? Yeah, yeah. I used to stop to take a hit. Okay. Yeah. I see. <laughs> <laughs> I used to stop every blog to take a hit. Keep yeah. them going. But I, you know, the only time I did the paper route is when my neighbor, this kid Walter, same age as me, he had a paper route, but. He was some kind of Mormon kid or something like that. So he had to leave like town like three weeks out of the year. Go do so some t- missionary work. Yeah, I, something like that. Yeah, you yeah. ride around on a bicycle on a tie. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The short like sleeve. Short yeah, sleeves and a tie. Sleeve, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bold in, look. In 98 degree weather, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, with some guy named uh, Brigham Young behind him going. <laughs> now, anyway, um, so I took over his route for yeah. three weeks out of the year. I did this for two years in a row. And I, you know. I didn't give a fuck. It was like, yeah. hey, get your paper. You get your paper. You know, I don't, sure. You know, it's not my route. It's Walter's route. But I used to read. The, you know, you're yeah. so right about those classes. And also at that same time, I had you know back in, in in junior high, you had classes like wood shop and print shop, and you learn how to typeset. Yeah. You know, you learn that stuff, and that's like a loss. It's gone. Man. Right. It's gone. All right. So now what happens is you hear you get married, you have a family, and then what happens? Well, all that happened. I'm just guessing you have. No, yeah, your sequence is shaky. Nice try. Sequence is shaky, but yes. You get arrested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's that. Do your time. Yeah, you're yeah. you're yeah. hanging so, out with Juan Carlos at the food truck. Just aside. Yeah. <laughs> now they're just getting <laughs> point. I mean, the, the, the only. Yeah, that basically is like, you know, like everybody here. You just kind of, there comes a point where you're here. And you right. realize this is your place. You have to figure out something to do. And then you, and then, and then you figure out the hustles. Right. And um, so yeah, so I slowly like I like after Katrina, we actually had an, it was an interesting moment. We had my wife's a lawyer, and there was and after Katrina, there was a moment where we were talking, and she realized like there was a job in L.A. that if she applied for it, she'd get it. Okay. Yeah. And so the question was, do you know does she apply? Right. And so we're like. I'm going with you if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have to say, having the story of a lifetime come to my town and I go away from it, that's not going to be easy. That's right. not, it's not, you know, that's, you know, and it's like part of me feels like if we can, you know, if we can hang, we should hang. Right. But, you know, but I also, I'm not going to be. Did you I'm flood? Not so, did you flood? No. Okay, what no, part we were of up the town. city? Oh, I'm you're, uptown. Okay, yeah. so you're uptown. So, yeah. We, the worst thing that happened to us was that, um, that somebody, they, that people saw that we had a chain on our front porch around one of the columns. And I'd heard the story later, and this may not be true, this may just be apocryphal, but I'd heard that there were people, pet rescuers, who if they saw signs that there, was a, that there had been a pet... Mm-hmm. And if they knocked on the door and didn't hear a pet, that they assumed there must be a hurt pet inside. Uh-huh. And so they were, they were, they were going chain, for it. Break the chains. Yeah. And so in this case, they saw what looked like the signs of, like we, of, of a dog that had been on the leash in the front yard mm-hmm. and broke, the, uh, broke open our side door. Okay. And 
found that and didn't find a dog because our dog was with friends because we actually took care of that. Right. But nonetheless, uh, we were out of town at that time, so we had to sort of uh, sort it out long distance. And uh, but that was the extent of our damage. So as soon as we could move back in, we got back in. And yeah, the, the officials broke into my house too. They they, yeah. they broke the back door down. I don't know who it was. They weren't looking for a dog. They were just looking to see if who was in there. You know, yeah. nothing was taken. They just closed it. But my house was now open. But there wasn't anybody there to even be checking to see if my door was open. I got home. It's like okay, well, the right. house, is, house has been totally yeah. open. <laughs> Well, so. they, they were they were just so confused. Oh, it was such yeah, confusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, listen, so. Nation. Let's take a break. Renee's yeah. going to buy the next round. Oh yeah. And I got a I got the uh, Cooley Dam in my bladder right now, so I've got to go. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. And we're back, back in the ring room, back with Manny Chevrolet, back with our guest, Mr. Yeah. Alex Rawls. Alex, welcome yeah, back, Alex. Right. Yeah, Alex. So, my Alex, pleasure. Alex, you start off with uh, some other kind of drink, and then now you're you're going uh, going clear liquor with, I with like me and Manny. You're I going like uh, it. peer pressure, peer pressure. Peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. You I, never. Yeah. You, there are two yeah. things that you never outgrow. You, you never officially leave high school. Okay. And peer pressure is always a bitch. Okay. Right. Well, you know well, that's cool because I've got some rock on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so after the show, there we go. Now you brought it up, yeah. I, I am. Oh, it, it's hard to. I've got some rock. That I've had yeah. since like 1989. <laughs> okay. vintage, vintage. So it's good stuff. Yeah, it's the vintage yeah. stuff. Retro. Yeah, it's the retro yeah, rock. It's that, that original CIA yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, uh, East LA, yeah. West Hi- Highway Ricky Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been watching this, uh, this mini series on uh, HBO that's kind of flying under the radar. It's called Chernobyl. Yeah, I, it, I watch it too. It really? Yeah. Isn't it great? Well, the thing was, I don't. I get free HBO like every weekend. Okay. Through my through the the internet thing that the we sling we, tea, whatever yeah, you have, well, yeah. you have that some the, fire. Stick I've only or seen two episodes. Yeah, well, they they just it plays on Monday, so like the third one came out yesterday. Okay, so I can watch the third one because me and my wife we loved it. We loved the first episode. Yeah, no, it's really well. And done. then we watched the second episode, and then it was like, well, that's it. You don't get any more episodes. And then it was like, so we watched the first one and the second one again. Again, yeah. No, it's really well done. <laughs> it's really well done. But what I like about it, mm-hmm. because it's a British production, it's right. a BBC production right. or a British, I like how they have all these English actors and they don't even bother to do Russian accents. No, they're no, just they're doing just speaking, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you know, we know the, these yeah. people aren't speaking English, so the fact <laughs> right. that we are, like, ah, fuck we're it. suspending yeah, yeah. disbelief no, anyway. So it, was your, it would be weirder yeah, it, if you had all these if, on an English production if all the Russians spoke with an American accent. Well, that would, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So what was your point? Really I, I, we like the show a lot. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. And, well, the, the time period, it's it very much, uh, you know, they're, they're very good about capturing that, that time period of, right, of which the, was like the 80, 86 or yeah, something. Yeah, because Gorbachev is in office. Uh, right, right, right. So, actually, my life coincides with this because I had a tour with Alex Chilton myself and Doug Garrison were scheduled to go and do like a two month tour of, of Europe Chernobyl. of Europe right before I mean it was already booked but we were going over there like a couple of weeks after Chernobyl exploded Wow! And there was a gigantic radioactive well, no. cloud floating around let me finish mine okay. then, then, right. then you no no okay. so so we were watching it 
like on the news every night, you know, it's like, okay, the cloud is here this week and we're going, okay, we're flying into England and then, well, good, the cloud's in Germany right now, so we're in good shape, you know, but then we got to go to Germany next week, but well, now the cloud has moved up to, uh, to Scandinavia, you know, and then, but then you'd be in a town and they would have like the, uh, the radiation readings from last week and then from now on like a chalkboard. You know, like they're keeping score. Of, right. Wow! Yeah. And and again, you know, my no parents, one's winning. My parents, no <laughs> one's winning. Yeah, no, we're all losing. Yeah, we're all losing. And and you know, my parents are like, "Don't go." I'm like, "What do you mean, don't go?" You know, the the yeah. the, the the foundational precept of show business is the show must go on. It does they don't say anything about radiation? We don't care about that. Um, so so yeah, we spent two months. Uh, you know, like dodging this radioactive cloud the yeah. the whole time. I feel time. like this explains so much. Yeah, I, that's well, what I was just about to say that. It explains so yeah, much well, about you know, Renee well, Coleman. When I wound up having <laughs> it, well, you know, there's a lot of terror in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah. contributed to my skittishness. Right. Um, so anyway, I've now, never seen anyone have hair grow out of their forehead. <laughs> Renee, <laughs> I, I do have. A, I have the opposite of a, of a receding hairline. I have like an encroaching hairline. It's crazy. No, no. We were watching this show, uh-huh. and my wife was on some kind of uh, education tour in Switzerland. Mm. So they were watching the clouds too. Right. They were watching, and the clouds came over Germany, and they they took off. Yeah. They, they basically took off. Yeah. What are you going to do? We uh, we didn't know what you know. Well, yeah, yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you what. Watching the the that show Russians are have a different kind of toughness man they're a different kind of people that to to be able to withstand that what they you know like if that happened in America and you had to evacuate 2,000 square miles uh, you know in, in a in a major region I, I it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't, well, we they're used to bleakness. That's they're what I'm used, saying. Yeah, they're no, used to all the bleakness. They're so tough, man. You know, they're. <laughs> I don't know if that's being tough. I just think they're well, used to it. It's well, like, that oh. makes you tough if 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 you're if if you have the capacity to withstand such hardship. That is a, a version of toughness. Okay, I, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I just think, shout out to Chernobyl. It's a great show. Uh, HBO, you know. Well, the first two episodes are great. I don't know how the rest of it's going to go. Oh no, it's it's going to be. They, they, they yeah. didn't they didn't blow their wad on the first two episodes, and it's going to be it's going to be well, shit from now on. Uh, <laughs> All right. So getting back to our guest. Yes. Your name is Alex Rawls. Correct. Right? All right. So you're you now you become this music critic for uh, yes okay so offbeat um, and gambit and, and uh, offbeat you're and gambit. also writing uh for national magazine you're writing for rolling stone yes. you cover the jazz fest down here yep. you cover all the festivals and, yes um now uh, just to to jump forward here so we just had jazz fest right right just contemporary yes. to to where we are now so what were some of the bigger surprises um positive or negative and then I'm going to have a follow-up for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, easily, easily, easily. The, the coolest thing I saw was a band f- from Haiti called Moonlight Benjamin. Okay. And it's a woman from Haiti. And the band, I think, was largely French. And it actually had a guy who was... I heard your last week you had Rob Cambry. And it, was kind of, it sounded like the French Rob Cambry. Oh, guy okay. who had both a background in rock and roll and in uh, in more and more adventurous music, okay. and they did the set. The music felt like it's kind of what people like the Gun Club and the Cramps were going for if huh. they didn't love 
horror movies. Huh. If they just loved wow, all the kind really? of that kind of drama. Did not think you were going to say that, man. <laughs> no, it was a, it, well. I didn't expect to see it either. Oh, wow. uh, I um, that I saw them in the blues tent and it was okay. And then I saw them in the uh, in a second in the cultural exchange pavilion where the sound was just crazily better than the blues tent. Yeah, and it was it's so psychedelic. Yeah, and uh, that there was just this great guitar drone going on. Oh wow! And the band was just like you know was you know using using really simple uh, blues riffs, uh-huh. uh, but not in any way trying to trying to convince you that they are in any kind of Chicago blues. Right, right, right. And that she was a rock star. Uh, and she goes under the name Moonlight Benjamin. So uh-huh. she that the bands behind her have changed, but she's records under that name. And it was magnificent. Oh, it was man, a, easily the best rock and roll thing. I've, best rock and roll thing I think I've seen this year. Wow, cool. Much less... Uh, so who was the worst, though? Oh. Well, you don't have to There's, name any names. We don't hurt yeah, we well, have to name... He's a critic. He's got to oh, name okay. names. Yeah. Come on. Uh, there's... The thing is out there that nothing is terrible. Yeah. Uh, so there is no worst. There are things I would say, like, like I did think... I wrote a note that, like, I think they're New Orleans swamp donkeys, and I said they're, like, too young to be this corny uh, in my notebook. Um, I really... there like were that's uh, the there. That, uh, that's how, that's how, how, how my notebook looks. A yeah. lot of, like, tight lines. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the two things I really loved were um, Diana Ross and the stones and no yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I, I have a safe it's a safe bet i would probably would have that would have probably would have killed me um i would have been so bored um but i love jay balvin and diana ross in both cases because the audience was just out of control for them and she did nine costume changes too so you love seven that. but yes you well, love that no i i liked it but i love the fact that other people just like lost their minds for it everybody really? said it was a, gr- a great show people said it, I, I showed up thinking it was going to be good i didn't realize it was going to be that good or 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 i i'm, I'm not i'm not going with them okay i think I, that, but you were I, moved I, by the moment. And, I was and moved by how moved people were. Right, right, right. I, like, I had friends who were telling me during the, during the opening section was Supreme Songs. And I thought that was really pretty mechanical. Okay. And she seemed pretty uncomfortable, but, just, but could still songs that she knew like muscle memory. And so she couldn't mess them up. Okay. But she didn't look really happy with them. And I didn't think there was anything terribly inspired. And I had a friend going... This is the best show I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. But then and she was stopped at the airport leaving town, too. Well, they were saying, what's up with that Supreme set? Put a little heart <laughs> in it, girl. And, um, but then I got to say, like, the, but their excitement was cool. And then the second part of the second set, like the, after the first costume change, she got started to, doing so. coming out and that whole record. Well, that, but also, but what I liked was she did songs she didn't have to do. Okay. She did songs that did, like, The Boss. And two or three songs, I actually had to go and do a quick check to make sure I knew what they were because, like, she played. They they weren't deep cuts, but they weren't hits. Did she have her luggage on stage? She had a tent. Oh. She had a tent. Really? And, and a, and a, tent? Yes. Oh, oh my yeah. god. And she had and she had a had like a costume wrangler who held the held the <laughs> flap open wow. so she could like duck off stage. The dresser. The yeah. dresser. Yeah. 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 The dresser. And so yeah. And the great part was actually it was that she. Was that she? She was Michael she, Jackson. She, closed, she finished <laughs> with uh, with Gloria Gaynor's "I Will Survive," and I'm like, I don't know why you're doing this. This doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, doesn't make. And there's any nothing sense. particularly. And and it was a completely 
uh, Biloxi version. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, the great part of that was that she goes off stage to change, to come back, and basically warm up gear to say goodbye. She oh, had that was like she like she her flight clothes. She, yes, she put, that's the, right. put the tracksuit on right. the, the velveteen tracksuit. <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> pretty much. Yes. I got the I got the athletic shoes on. So that was great. But <laughs> that's so funny. there was it was nutty. There was part, but she did things she didn't have to do, and I thought that was cool. And as the show went on, she got more into it. But the crowd was just like psycho. And I do have to say, to be fair, that well, no, the crowd was everything in that show. I'm not. I don't have to be fair. That that. Yeah, don't be, be being, in a, being in a room, critic, being man. in a room with being in a place, hearing "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" with a, a pastor in love with her mm-hmm. really was a kind of an epic moment. Yeah, uh, and that was pretty great. She's Diana Ross. We only yeah. have one of them, you know. She's 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 yeah. uh, she's Thank an God. Icon, we only have one of, of our age, you know. <laughs> yeah. it's like when these people yeah. are gone, there's not another one behind. Good, them, you know? yeah. good. I don't know. I was. I mean, I got to say, I'm. I have to say I, that she's somebody who I came to later. That I was. That she was not in the my my sort of my favorite Motown acts. And then really? at one sure. point, I. I mean, I like the songs just fine. And then at one point, I did find secondhand. A, uh, a Diana Ross and Supreme's anthology. I'm like, okay, this is actually, pr- there are a lot of great songs here. And uh, so, and I like her just fine. I always loved the Chic produced album, but yeah, it's, but I liked, but, but the crowd see, made I that. I saw her in the late 70s and Nipsey Russell opened for her. Oh, okay. yeah, in nice. Caesar's see, Palace. See, that's, that's way cooler. See, Manny, yeah. Manny his family would, would take him on these uh, vacations to Vegas and they would go to all the classic shows. Yeah. So, yeah. I saw Sinatra. Loved uh, Nipsey Sammy Russell. Davis Jr. Yeah, Nipsey Russell and then Diana Ross came I was more enthralled with Nipsey, you know, right. yeah, because you know he's quite a poet. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you: you're you're you've been critiquing music shows for the last what sixty-two years or whatever. <laughs> Thanks. How old are you? Uh, Fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Fifty-seven. Yeah, okay. That's about so, our age. you know, we've we've had a, a, a what was his name? John Swenson. John yep. Swenson, who was fine writer. Yeah, fine That's... writer. He interviewed John Lennon. He gave mm. us the greatest story about how he was he was such an asshole and stuff like that and so, you know, so. You've interviewed a lot of bands. You, you've seen a lot of shows, a million shows, I'm sure. sure. And I just have to ask this. So there has to be one review or one interview where this, this band's an asshole. This band's, their show sucked tonight. There has to be one. The, the interview. John Stenson, John Swenson's, he, I had to pull it out of him. I had to pull it out of him, and he said, Black Oak, Arkansas, in That's the funny. 70s. He did come up with that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been around, so give us oh. one. Well, I think the funniest one, the one that stands out, was a band from New York uh, in the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Um, see, I was been at, yeah, yeah, I'd have been at Offbeat, so it was after 2006. Uh-huh. And it, uh, a band called Brazilian Girls. And they were playing Voodoo that year, and I liked the band a lot. I liked the band's first album, and and so like I was going to interview them as part of like a you know writing about previewing Voodoo, and I get on the phone with the, with uh, the keyboard player, and he is so intentionally giving me nothing. Okay. Not even trying. Right. That I literally I think I did seven minutes with mm-hmm. him, and I mm-hmm. cut it short. 
and I and I cut it off at that point. Yeah. yeah. And even then, and I when I handed it to an intern to transcribe, I said, "See if you can figure out how early I gave up." Right. And, right. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and he honestly got he came back and said. I think around I think around around two fourteen or so. You hit it. You hit it. Like like the first two questions came back (laughs) so completely empty that I just started like started like like what do you plan on doing next? (laughs) So what's the name of that band? Brazilian Girls. And their first album kills. I I was really bummed that the guy was an all girl band. No, no. Had a woman singer. um, And. well, one actually it was an interview that sucked, but I, in retrospect, I give the guy, I cut, now cut the guy slack, uh-huh. was uh, Interpol. I talked to the singer for Interpol, and Interpol was a band that when they started, yeah, everybody that. talked about them, how much they sounded like Joy Division. Right. Yeah. And, and I was trying to find my way through that relationship, and the guy just was like, no, nah, I don't hear it. No, I don't hear yeah. it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. And uh, have you, you know, have you tried it? And... Uh, <laughs> And then what was interesting was was about you know a few about a couple of weeks later after I'd written the written the review and I mean I'd written up the interview and it was I mean I could knew how to write it so it didn't look like the guy just you know threw me a clam and uh, and so I'm like okay you know this is something and then I was actually playing a song around the house and my and my wife said is that REM yeah <laughs> wow. and and what and, I, and it occurred to me that you know REM was like when they started. They were like, what do we do if we're not musically very good and we don't want to play the blues? Mm-hmm. What do we focus on? We focus on texture. We focus on mood. We focus on rhythm. And it's like, well, that's what Interpol did. Okay. And it's like, this is like, just as people solving the same problem the same way. And when I thought about it, I understood why my wife heard it that way. And I understood how they could come up with music that sounded very, uh, sounded like Joy Division because they were solving the same problem Joy Division was solving, just they solved it the same way. Right. And um, so anyway, it was, you know, but while I was going through the interview, this is this is headbanging session. It was like, come on, dude, give some ground. Give some ground. It's the, inter- the, the, the damn Joy Division is in you, dude, speak. And uh, right. it's like, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't hear it. That wasn't our thing. Now, so, so as a reviewer, you have to listen to new music all the time. You, you must have, at some point, uh, tricked yourself into thinking you want to do this. Um, it, it, for me, it's, it, it can be a bit of a chore. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I have the music I like. I like to listen to it. I find comfort in it, you know. It, but well, for me, Renee is a big chore. Well, yeah. how do you think I feel about you? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a relationship. That sounds like a podcast. It does. So... <laughs> the um, no well and yeah. and 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 just to follow up so since you do listen to all this new music what new music is out there that I would love um, you know like oh I have you, no idea you, you know what kind of things I like so what you know uh, for you know someone like myself what what am I missing out on I'm actually in a phase right now where I'm not listening kind of at the moment I'm not listening to a lot of new music because I have so many sort of projects that are backed up that I'm trying to get to right. Um, and, 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 I, and I understand exactly what you said, because there's a point, there's, there have been points where I listen to so much music, so much new music, that I would become frustrated, because I like, you know, I've got a giant, i got a wall of, of music, of, of CDs, yeah. and I'm like, I love those records, why yeah. am I listening to this yeah, stuff? Yeah, right, right, exactly. And, um, and, so they're kind of, and so I actually, 
back in the back in the days where iPods were just iPods, mm-hmm. that my wife got me one, and it's like it's, it's, it's basically it's a thirty-two gig hard drive. Yeah, and I took like one summer, I just dumped my favorite songs off my collection onto it, and just sort of while I'm like sitting up at night watching, you know, watching uh, you know Letterman or something, and just sort of. So I had this. Now I had this iPod that's basically my record collection, you know, the, the highlights of it. And so right. when I when I don't know what else I want to do, just put that on shuffle, and it's sure. like a radio station run off of my off my collection, which is yay. Um, yeah. But I gotta say, the thing I love right now is there's actually I'm gonna pull out my phone because I gotta remember this title because the title is because the, the record is actually great. Um, it's a compilation of. Um, Let's see. There's a great new Buck Owens compilation. Okay, uh, well, I, I like Buck Owens. Yeah, but that's not new music. That's not new music. I'm not. I uh, know. Um, <laughs> no, see, I would. I would listen to a new Buck Owens record. <laughs> oh, see, here it is. Uh, it is actually, and this isn't a new music either. I got to say, to be fair, but the album I'm really into is uh, where's let me see albums here. Pacific Breeze is an album called Pacific Breeze, and it's a compilation of Japanese music. From like seventy five to eighty two, hmm. and it's all this kind. It's all um, it's all like sort of like glossy, sort of R and B influenced pop. Okay, but Japanese, and it's really kind of br- it's brilliant. What was that band that had the song uh, Twiggy Twiggy? Um, Pink Lady. Uh, Pizzicato Five. Pizzicato Five. Is it is it of it, that it's, ilk? Yes, yes. It's it's, it's the Japanese. It's, it's, Japanese the, do have a fetish for that kind of stuff. It's right? the it's the music that Pizzicato Five was riffing off of. Oh, okay. So it was, you know, like it's not as you know there are you know, there's no drum programming. It's you know it's session drummers. Right. All right. Let and uh, Alex, yeah. Yeah. I ask Manny. you a question. Yes, you may. You're a music critic, right? Yes. All right. So do music critics have groupies? No. No. Not that I have discovered. All right. All right. So what's your you get to go backstage, right? Rarely. Rarely? Rarely. Do you have any backstage story that you can tell our audience that you you know, you got backstage, even you you know, you're reviewing the band. Is there any the, any anything you got? The best one I have is actually uh I saw the Ramones on the uh um end of the century tour. Okay. The, after they'd released the album that was produced by Phil Spector. Right. And went and I was interviewing. Went back to interview Johnny Ramone after the show, and we talked for about twenty minutes. And then, as soon as I stopped, is that recording, here in New Orleans? This or? was in Toronto. In Toronto, okay. And as soon as we stopped, he was like, "So tell me the truth. What do you think of the you know you know what do you think of the album?" I like, well, you know, and I said, I, I really like the album. Like, but the guitar, the guitar, what do you think about the guitar? And I was like, actually, <laughs> I, love the, guitar, I love the guitar sound. And, and he was like, no, really, really. And it was like, and it was really clear. It was, this was an enduring anxiety that yeah, yeah, had not yeah. got over. And it was because he, you know, and it didn't sound as immediate. Like Phil Spector had changed their guitar sound. Right. And yeah. made it, he made it bigger. They were and, thrilled with the, right. the whole experience. Yeah. yeah. Right. They had a lot of problems. But I'll tell you, record. part of what I think is so interesting about it was because I had, there's, I've never read an interview with Johnny where he showed any doubt or, you know, yeah. and he was, you know, Johnny was a guy who had really strong opinions. 
and was not afraid to tell anybody Convention. his opinions were. So what? And so I and so I was really fascinated by the weird neediness the of the way he yeah. talks to a troops, a, a friggin' college radio <laughs> DJ. It's like, are you kidding me? I am the slothead who's one but, step removed from a uh, you know from a one uh, you know from a. Uh, so you know, who's the fan. one artist that you interviewed that had doubt? You said he had no doubt. No, he no, no he, like did. He, uh, he did. He did, but he didn't usually. That he, had. Okay. he didn't normally have doubts. That was interesting. Okay. Um, well, other I, one that was pretty great. Actually, other one that was okay. kind of the same a version of the same thing was I uh, had a really interesting interview with Janelle Monet. Oh. And Janelle Monet is so composed, and, she's and I very self possessed. Yeah, right. She's, no, has tell great our vision. audience who she. I don't. Janelle know Monet is. is Janelle Monet is one thing that's friggin' great. So you, you know, if you don't know her, you should be checking her out. Yeah, she is. But also her last uh, that she is, she's someone who has been a who's been a, a star. She like she's been like cover girl ads, and she's one of those people who's been a presence more so than people know her songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it has been really interesting because she's she's somebody who's got who everybody books and they think this is going to draw really well, and it almost never has drawn. Really, but her last album. Uh, the electric, not Electric Lady. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the last album. Doesn't matter. Don't. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not going to look it up. But anyway, whatever it is, it's a great album, and it's the one where people like people got it. And okay. so like when she played Voodoo this year, she played at five thirty, and there was as many people there for her show as there were In there the for the morning five thirty. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Voodoo all night. Yeah. Um, the city park was thrilled. Oh, yeah. So uh, anyway, they had. Um, but they were as many people there for her show as there were for the headliner, you know, four hours later. Oh, nice. So that was pretty great. And, uh, but I interviewed her at one point when she was playing Essence. And she is, you know, she's very self-possessed. And What's very, this person's name again? Janelle Monet. Jan- okay, I don't know who that is. She's yeah. from Atlanta, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so she has a, a real... Uh, strong She's visual the one who, sense. She wears tuxedos. Yes. 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 Okay, that's the... Yep. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So, I don't take her. I yeah. don't take her at all. No, she's great. I yeah. love her. Oh, really? I, I like her. I, every, every show I've seen by her has been, has yeah. been amazing. Oh, yeah. And so she... Uh, but what was really interesting was, again... She so knows what she every she knows what both what she's thinking. She knows what she wants to say and how she wants it to be presented. And she, how she yes. wants to be presented. And she was telling the story about one point on tour that she would basically at the end of one of her songs she would do a, a version of the James Brown cape routine mm-hmm. where James Brown at the end of uh, at the end of the song off, would yeah. like he'd be on the ground that sounds disrespectful and she'd go in and, and someone so would put disrespectful yeah. I think it was, it was yeah. an homage she's no right. James right. Brown it was an homage I saw James Brown like three or four times in my life and you don't do that uh, I saw James Brown and I didn't see anything my show you didn't have to respect so it was okay, okay. Uh, so anyway I'm good with it but anyway but I'll what was fun was that she like she tells a story about doing this mm. and how and she you know and she laid you know, have to kneel down and look down as someone would put the cape over her back. So one time Prince comes out to put the cape on her back wow. and, she, and they were friends. She didn't know it was happening and she uh-huh. could hear the audience starting Freaking to out. like freak out yeah. and she could hear her band laughing and she has no idea what's going on. Yeah, and as she tells the story and she like says you know and then when I finish it was it was Prince and like. That just goes to show you, Janelle, you never know. 
And it was really clear that's that it bothered her. her. No, she oh, said that to she herself. That, to herself. that was her takeaway oh, okay. was, and it really clearly bothered her that there was a moment in her show that she didn't control. Oh, wow. And that she had lost control and Prince that Prince had, had done over. her. Exactly. <laughs> and even if Prince did his thing, Prince <gasps> helped make her thing happen. Right. And he followed exactly what, what anyone before her had done right. and did it the same way. The fact that it was something that she hadn't planned very clearly bothered her. Oh, and that was like really well, interesting. She, she was his connection, though, I thought. Right? Well, no. That's <laughs> not true, man. It's not true. It's not true. How do you know it's not true? Uh, I'm, I'm Come just, on, I'm Renee. Just, I'm just assuming it's not true. Okay. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Alex, I'm, I'm, we're, we're, uh, we're nearing the end, but I'm going to ask a, a, a question. I, I refer to it as the Jude Akers question. Do you know who Jude Akers is? He's the man in the Chess red guy. beret. Chess guy, yeah. He would say... Was there Jew Acres? Jude. Oh, Jude. Okay. You remember Jude Acres? Oh, we yeah, were sitting yeah. at this very table, or maybe yeah. actually that one. Yeah. Um, they filmed us doing the whole thing. They yeah. had a whole entourage. Okay. Uh, anyway, was there someone in your life that, uh, as a young man growing up, did something or told you something, helped you with something, where after that everything was different? wasn't Jude Akers, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no. while you're thinking about that, while you're thinking about that, it's, uh, we're, that's the beginning of your life. We'll go, I'll flash forward to the end of your life, and I'll say, you know, that uh, uh, I have here uh, the, wow. the great writer Herman Wauk died at 103. A Winds of, of War, ago. right? Winds of War. Um, wow. He wrote The Cane Mutiny. Uh, but here's the thing. It's a lot of column inches there. Yes. Um, now, he also wrote a, a book I love. It's called uh, This Is My God, which is uh, he was a, a modern um, Orthodox Jew, and he was observant and would, you know, even when he was writing on Broadway, he would take off for Shabbat. My, my point in bringing this up is if you live long enough, they will forget about you. Exactly right, you know, yeah. The, the, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, you can write all these great novels oh, if yeah. you live long enough. Now, if he died at 25... Oh yeah, no, they, it would have been you know. If it was if thing. if it was Kane Newton, he wins a war out. Out, he's revered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But but you so, know so yeah. anyway. So I actually you mentioned earlier. I got to say I was thinking about that. Whom that person who probably made a real difference was uh, actually Swenson, John Swenson. Okay. That when shout out to John Swenson. Yeah, he made ice cream. No, it's, 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 well that too, but that wasn't the reason he made a difference. Right, right. I got to say that there was. That I had written, I'd written a lot. I, I wrote early on. There was a magazine in Toronto I wrote for. That was actually a really good situation. And um, but no, I've, that, never, it, but I've it, never heard of any good situation. Uh, Situations let, let him, are, let him continue, are, are, are let always him, let wrong. Him, let him continue. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, but I got to say that John was a person. It was the probably the first other writer who's like said, you know, what you're doing is really good. And there's a point, like there was a point of transition at the magazine where a number of people were moving on and there were editorial changes. And I think John was actually coming in to edit. Okay. And, and there was a point when, they, when there was, you know, who, do you gonna, who are we going to keep using? And John's like, Alex is one of your best writers. What yeah. are you, you know, you know that, that's, that's one. 
That's huge. And that man. was yeah. In your and career to have someone that that has that kind of pedigree and that yeah. kind of history and is John still alive? Oh yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. John's Talked to him yesterday. He just had a birthday uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Came to my gig at the Circle Bar. Well, I wasn't invited to the birthday. You, That's because he knows to you. All the iguanas. Well, gigs, you know? well no, he, I didn't uh, know that. But I got to say, you know, and he's somebody who we've had a really good working relationship. There was points where he was working in New York and editing. Uh, editing a web jazz website that was being run by Knitting Factory right. and like tabbed me to come and do a bunch of stuff. And actually, one of my favorite reviews I've ever written was a rev- I wrote a review of a, a biography of Rashawn Roland Kirk. Uh-huh. And the writer assumed from the review that I was an angry black man. And it, and we actually got into this like lengthy. Well, you are. I, oh, I am a very angry black man. Um, For and, good reason. Uh, you don't look black at all. That's that's just the start, and that's okay. your eyes. Okay. But it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, but it was it was it was really interesting because also we had this lengthy back and forth, all of which kept saying, "You're wrong." Yes, I actually did the thing you said, but there's a reason. Okay. And so I was like, no. You're the, well, because what interested me was that he, you know, was that Kirk was a very political, was a very politically a, a conscious person. Right. And what often happens in biographies of politically active, certainly black musicians, mm-hmm. is their, their politics are frequently sort of recast as sort of personal eccentricities or as sort of a soft expression of culture uh-huh. rather than an actual political belief as a way of, which also always felt like a kind of a way of dealing with the fact that a lot of his politics pointed, you know, were directly against the kind of the white writer who wrote the It's wrote a bit the book. of a deflection. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a way to soft It's a way to find your, a way to find your place in the piece without dealing with the fact that he has his, a problem with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> he may not. He may have been fine with you personally, but structurally, you're an issue. Right, right, like, right. Yeah, right. that's that's real. And so, anyway, but it was it was a really interesting back and forth. And there were it was like, and uh, and John was again, and John was go go harder. Don't you know? There's there's no reason that no reason we need to be any. I mean, the writer was a good. The writer's a good writer, and I've liked other things he's written. Uh-huh. And at the same time, it was like there's no reason to back out, back off of this, or like ease up. It's like if he's if he, especially because he's going to keep putting his foot in it, and right. like, well, in that case, I, you know, I, if you're going to concede and tell me I'm wrong, I have to go forward. Sure. So, sure. well, you know, so, John's motivations are yeah. pure, so you can trust yeah. his his uh, advice, tr- trust his instincts. Well, and that's true. And actually, I gotta say, one of the things I love about John was that John is also that John's a true believer. That oh, yeah. John believes that 100 percent all the bands he likes. And in that respect, who and, and, and is this John we're talking John about? John Swenson. He was. Oh, on the, you've okay. interviewed him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so are we, okay. The, the, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I had. Uh, but you know, and it's a thing I can't do. Like I'm, I, I, I never, I can't write from that perspective. I, you know, uh, I can always see the other side right, and always listen, see that's uh, what. All right. So now I just read that. Um, you know, now the, the future is to fear. Because now uh, we're going to have hologram tours of famous artists who are dead. Whitney Houston is going to have a hologram tour. I saw that. Amy Winehouse is going to have a a hologram tour. I'll actually go to that one. Yeah, waste your money on that. Um, So I'm what I can get. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, so you're a music critic. You've seen a lot of bands, and they're all dead. A lot of bands are dead. So what band would you pay for to see a hologram? See, to me, I would pay to see the Stones hologram tour. But not the real Stones. No, the the Stones. They're dead. Um, so, um, So you're a music critic. So what would be your hologram tour to see? I don't think there's any of them. Yeah. Because um, I got to tell you, one of the reasons, like, kind of, go a little bit. I have seen a hologram of Janet Jackson that was only kind of convincing. God, that would be the worst thing to see, uh, Janet Jackson. But I, you know, and but oh. I got to say, what that part of like for me, part of the when I when I check out of a jazz fest show, oh, it's God. because it is. Because it's the it, worst show ever. It's just it's a show that's been that, that's happened yeah. lots and lots and lots of times. Yeah. I mean, what I want what I want from a show is I want, usually I want music I haven't I, I want a fresh experience, uh-huh. and that's by definition not one. So I, I can't imagine who I would pay for. Yeah, hologram um, shit. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound that doesn't sound yeah, even but remotely it's entertaining. Happening. It's going to happen. Sure, it does. Well, I, mean, I mean, lots any, of things happen. Anything they can get someone to pay money for, they're going to well, try to do. Right. Well, so. and, and I mean, and I understand it entirely because I mean, I think part of the appeal of a lot of a lot of jazz fest shows is that people go to hear the songs they love, and they yeah, want to the hear them play. Jazz fest audience is like sixty and over now. Frank There's, Zappa's on tour. The ghost, the, the ghost oh, of wow. Frank Zappa's wow. on tour right that's now. Not God, right. That's, that's not right. Good. That's, that's you know, and, and, it, and it's the people, that's, the people for whom those songs are huge, yeah. are really that's, happy yeah. to go and okay, see the well, see yeah. the, the Zappagram. If it's and, if it's uh, your thing, you know, God bless you. You know, if it, and, that's uh, something that appeals it, to you, that you know. I haven't heard anything yet. I, I suppose if there's one, if I could see, the uh, see Mata Hoople. Okay. Around the time of, uh, I see a hologram Mott the Hoople from around the time of all the young dudes. That I would consider. Well, you know, Mott the Hoople, I think, is, is on tour again. And has, do, do they have a new record out is it, or are about it, to have one? It's only, uh, it's only Ian Hunter and I want to say Ariel Bender, one of the last, the last guitar player. Okay. So right. I couldn't so bring myself really. to go. Tr- okay. I mean, they were the. They, I was thinking before they were the only band that I could imagine like flying around the country to go see. Really, if they were in an original conform, uh, you know, original band, but like just to go see two of the guys. Nah, that's that's not a thing. Okay, Do they that's, have that's, a that's, that's Fest. album, Monta Hoople? I wish. Yeah, yeah. that oh, would be great. There's, <laughs> there's a there's a oh, yeah. passage in there's a great passage in Ian Hunter's. Uh, the singer from Mott the Hoople. Tell our audience in, who Ian Hunter is. The singer from Mott the Hoople, I was okay. saying that yeah, when you were right, asking. Right. But uh, he, uh, in his book, A Diary of a Rock and Roll Star, which is a great book from around 1974 oh, yeah. of like rock star tra- traveling America. Yeah. And, and, he's ta- and it actually is taking place touring America like late October through Christmas. And it's, at one point, he's just like, it has a section he's ri- written while after just sitting down and plowing down a couple of bottles of red wine uh-huh. and just like in total red wine depression yeah. about, about Christmas <laughs> and, what a, and, and what a waste he feels like that he's not there and that he doesn't feel Christmas right. and that he does not, he's not there with his wife or is there, there's like, this is great. The like, show must go on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's uh, you know, because so you, cool. you, you, you bought into this. Well, you know, Alex, thank you so much for being here. I can tell by the uh, the sounds over my shoulder they're, they're uh, you know, starting the clean up here. 
That's, that's uh, a ring room. At the ring room. So we have yeah. to we have to wind this up. But uh, yeah. you've been so great. Your voice is wonderful. I always love someone with a great resonant voice like you have. I do what I can. Yeah, and so, and uh, I have to ask you a question before we yes, go. Yes. Okay. Have you been a part of any Christmas music? Have you recorded any or played any? Mm, He's well, a Jew. I, I, He's not going to be a part of Christmas no, music. I, I, no, no. Barbara Streisand has a Christmas yeah, record. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Neil yeah, Diamond has a Christmas record. She's in for the money, man. Well, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Like so, Renee's opposed to getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I've never recorded any Christmas music. I've played a lot of Christmas music. I know a lot of Christmas music. Um, I... As a consumer, when I when it's Christmas season, I try to limit my exposure to it, which is gets harder and harder every year because now they start the day after uh, Halloween. Um, that they're imploring you to to uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. So I try to insulate myself as much as I can. You know, in America, it's very difficult because you know, as as Trump will say or, or Fox News will say, there's a war on Christmas. And I would say, if there's a war on Christmas, Christmas is winning. Exactly. Yes. So so the, you know, that's that's my answer to that. And there's the chair pushed in. Okay, Alex, thank you so much. Uh, you know, on the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say uh, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Excellent. And it does. Solidarity. Good night. <laughs>